So take your sitting posture, sitting relatively comfortably, at ease, and also with dignity, a sense of respect for yourself, for what you're doing, a sense of presence, knowing that you're sitting in this room on this earth. And let your awareness be filled with the sensations of the body sitting. Not looking for something in particular, but coming into a sense of mind and body presence in the sitting posture. And from the sense of grounded presence, beginning to notice the arising and passing of sounds. Just letting the sense of boundaries of inner and outer dissolve. and being fully present with awareness of hearing. Noticing the receptive quality of awareness that simply notices sounds as they come and go without needing to manipulate or interfere. Noticing also how spontaneous the awareness of hearing is. You also don't need to do anything. It's right there, right here. receptive, (laughs) using hearing to learn how to relax into awareness. Noticing that awareness arises by itself. And in the same non-manipulating way, 
Feel the sensations of the next in-breath, next out-breath. And then allowing the attention, the mindfulness, to connect with the breath, the in-breath, the out-breath. And using this particular aspect of sense experience as the anchor for developing and cultivating a steadiness of mindfulness, cultivating samadhi. And so still without needing to manipulate or change any particular breath, allow the attention to connect with the beginning of the in-breath and sustaining an interest through the different sensations we call in-breath. Notice how it ends. Let the attention connect to the beginning of the out-breath. Maintaining an interest in that out-breath, the sensations we call out-breath. Notice how that ends. Only one breath or half of one breath at a time. We're not collecting breaths, just feeling this one. And if you're using the mental labeling or noting, very softly but carefully, just at the moment of noticing the beginning of in or rising, the beginning of the out-breath, out, or falling, not to obliterate feeling the breath, but to help the awareness stay connected to the actual sensation. Whenever you notice you're lost in thought, That moment of noticing, no matter what point it is in the thought, in that moment of noticing, again, you're present with awareness. Ah, thinking. You could appreciate the awareness rather than becoming judgmental that thinking is happening. Ah, thinking. And just let the thought be and gently but steadily come back and feel the next breath. A million times in one sitting, this is no problem. This is how concentration is developed. And continuing to include physical sensations other than the breath, 
in the field of mindfulness, of conscious awareness. So, feeling a breath, and suddenly another physical sensation arises in your awareness. It's not particularly a choice. There's just suddenly an awareness of a sensation in the knee, or an itching, or a heaviness, whatever it is. When we notice that sensation, we don't get involved in a discussion with ourselves. Is this worth paying attention to? Should I wait? It's too painful. It's not strong enough. It's choiceless. In that moment of its coming into awareness, for that moment is the predominant experience. So honoring that by giving the full quality of mindfulness to that sensation, just as we have been with the breath. So a throbbing arises or a tingling. Bring our full kind attention for that moment into that sensation. Just let the breath go or if it's there in the background, that's fine. And it's really as if you're focusing the light of the sun, your awareness, around into that particular sensation. Meeting it freshly, never thinking, oh, this is the same sensation I had last sitting or five minutes ago. Bringing a fresh open attention. Trying to meet it softly, without judgment, without clinging, without fear, just to see what it's like. How does it behave? The mental labeling, if you're using it very softly, can be helpful to help the attention stay with the actuality of the sensation rather than our ideas about it. For example, tingling, tingling, burning, itching, as opposed to that pain in my back is here again. That's not a note. That's an interpretation. Noticing what happens in the light of awareness with that sensation. Does it change, get bigger, smaller, change from coolness to itching, vanish, stay the same? There's no agenda. Let it do whatever it does. If it goes away, or your mind begins to wander, come back again to the anchor of the sensations of breathing. Or if there are other strong sensations in your body, that might be what calls the attention next. That's fine. So we just notice what sensation arises without preference. Not saying, it's nice, so I'll stay here. It's not nice, I better not. Just noticing what happens. And then using the anchor of our breath as a way to refresh the quality of awareness. If it gets weak, 
or reactive. A word about bringing awareness to strong and seemingly ongoing pain. Especially if you have a particular pain that seems to be there most sittings. It's very tempting when we first notice that in a sitting to think, well, I've been here before and I'm going to avoid it as long as I can. That's not so helpful. Because then by the time awareness goes to that sensation, it's already unbearable. Pretty hard to bring a freshness, a softness to that awareness. But rather, just as soon as the sensation comes into your awareness, calls, just notice it. Try to meet it as if you never felt it before. Because really, each time is different. Soften in. Try to get interested. Try to get the label a little precise. Is this really burning or is it tingling? I don't mean thinking about it, but with that quality of interested attention. And try to soften into it, soften around it. But also notice it's if your mind the awareness begins to get tired, tight, reactive, as in fearful or aversive, it's not so helpful to try to stay with this painful sensation for a long time, all sitting, every sitting. It really fatigues the mind, wears us out. Better to explore it a bit, and when you begin to notice a reactivity, a tightness, This is a moment when it's not choiceless, but out of skillful means, we move the attention away. Come back to breath, or to hearing, or to other sensations in the body. You might be going back and forth, back and forth for a sitting. That's fine. You'll find that what seems like the same pain, you'll be able to meet it very differently at different times. So it gets interesting. When the energy is really low, it's very difficult to stay present and open with pain. At another sitting, the energy might be strong and balanced, and you find, ah, it's just tingling, burning, throbbing, can't even call it pain. So it gets interesting. But don't be afraid to... Let the awareness refresh itself by coming back to breathing or to hearing or to the whole sitting posture. And don't be afraid also to meet the difficult sensation when it first arises with a freshness, with beginner's mind.
So as we said Friday night, we wanted to offer you today the opportunity to take the eight precepts if you want to, if you think it's something that um, would be helpful for your practice or you're interested in exploring what it might be like for you. And I'll just say a few more words about the eight precepts, which of course is the same first five that we're familiar with. We all know them, correct? Don't have to go over them. Uh, And the, the last three, and there's three, often just number six gets all the attention, which is not eating uh, after the noon meal anything solid. Um, the, but it's not the only one. Um, the seventh one is to uh, take the precept to refrain from entertainment, which you're pretty safe on that one unless you've got your little PC in your room and you're playing computer games unbeknownst to us, in which case, cut it out. <laughs> Um, even if you're not on eight precepts. <laughs> refraining from entertainment, beautification, and ornamentation. And I'll say a word about each, but this is actually quite an interesting and useful precept. And the last one is um, refraining from lying on high and luxurious sleeping places, so you're probably pretty safe <laughs> on that one here, unless the uh, maintenance guys have been busy and I'm not aware of it. Um, So these precepts, overall, the purpose isn't really mortification, but it's a simplification of our lives, of our activities, and of our mind that is uh, really quite lovely as not just a way to practice, but it really opens up a space in our life, but particularly here on retreat. Um, I've lived under the eight precepts for well, when I was a nun in Thailand, of course, for over a year, but also on many long retreats. And um, the not eating, really for many people, but it's not true for everybody, and you really need to see what's true for your body. There's a way it just takes all this energy and activity that goes into the tea time, you know, especially here, there's all this hubbub and lining up and what's for tea, and it's like, it's, it's a huge distraction. And it just goes away, and you have all this extra time for practice, formal sitting and walking. I'm sure at this point in the retreat, that's a big inducement. But (laughs) later on, it actually will be. (laughs) It's really nice. You just keep going in your own rhythm. And also, many people find that um, the not eating in the afternoon brings, actually, a certain energy, a lightness. Someone uh, told me in an interview already uh, the other day that they weren't eating tea because they discovered when they did eat tea, they were uh, a lot heavier and more tired in the evening. And for many people, this is true. And for some people, it's not. So for this particular one, um, please look to what's true for your own body. I loved living on eight precepts, and I have also had periods in the last few years when my body wasn't so healthy and I needed to eat a little something in the evening. could keep it simple, like half an apple and peanut butter. That you can have every night here, if you like. Um, Just enough to to keep my body going stable and balanced. I couldn't take eight precepts because that's not eight precepts, but that's what my body needed to practice. So look to the intention, and it's for simplicity and uh, non-clinging which is, of course, an act that opens our heart to freedom. So 
For some people, the not eating is just a way of simplifying. For some people, it involves actually working quite um, consciously with non-clinging because it might bring up a lot of fear not to eat at tea time or just desire. You've taken eight precepts, but you know, next week, a week from Tuesday, they have written up on that little blackboard something that just sounds so delicious, you know, and you really want to eat it. And then you have to actively work with non-clinging, with letting go. Um, but the the upside of simplicity is this space of tremendous joy and ease that comes from letting go, from simplifying one's life, from simplifying one's activities. A lot of spaciousness. It's really quite nice. The second, the seventh one is similar, refraining from beautification and ornamentation. It can be really interesting. And God knows there's not a lot of beautification and ornamentation going on around here. But it'd be interesting to look in your own activities and see where this might be a little bit and how much mental energy that can take up. I was really quite amazed to see, not only when I was a nun, but actually on other three-month retreats where I would give it up, which meant hopefully no one's wearing nice-smelling perfumes and, and unguents anyway, since people are allergic, but just... You know, what attention do you give to your hair in the morning? Or if you're wearing any jewelry? Or just the energy that goes around picking out what kind of moisturizer you're going to put on, if at all. It's little stuff. But I was really amazed to see how much clinging and mental activity could go into little things like that. Making sure my sweatshirt matched my sweatpants, you know. <laughs> I mean, we bring that same energy into our schlumpy clothes. It's quite interesting to see. I'm nothing personal. I'm not mean to <laughs> I remember after I disrobed from being a nun, and I, one of the things I consciously knew I loved was that I just had two or three outfits exactly the same, and I would just put on the clean one each day. It was great. And I remember coming back, and I was on staff here, and I opened my closet one morning. There were all these clothes, and I was just sitting there going, oh, my God, I have to pick out what thing to put on. It was like this tremendous burden. It's really lovely. So that's the seventh one. And then the high and luxurious sleeping places. That's really, as I say, not a problem here, but it's, a, it's also a way of simplifying and not getting too entrenched in comfort, you know, not going for comfort. So these are the eight precepts. In taking them, if you choose to take them, what we're going to do is just um, chant the homage to the Buddha Namotasa together, the three refuges together, and then I'll chant the precepts, the five and then the eight, you know, call and response as we did before. If you want to take the eight precepts, you just keep going after five. If you don't, you don't. And I want to say that, one, if you're wondering, you know, you don't really know what it's like for you, and you don't know if it would just engender too much struggle, because we're not looking for that either. So if taking eight precepts is something you want to do and you're not sure, And you find out later that it it just engenders this huge struggle and that all your a lot of extra time is being taken up worrying about it or whatever or it's really not good for your body. You're not, you know, married to this for the rest of the retreat. You can you can consciously decide to retake the five precepts and that's 
just how you let go of the eight. I don't want to say, you know, every day you're trying to make up your mind back and forth, back and forth. That's just dukkha. But it's not that if you take it now, you have to stay with it the whole three months. But I would say if you want to explore it, give it some time. One day isn't enough time. (laughs) Give it some time. Unless you really find, like, for instance, say you're hypoglycemic and you think you want to take eight precepts anyway and it's really clear after one day that is no good for your body, please don't do it. Then please go back and take the five. But if you want to explore it for a while, please feel free to take the eight. And if you really see it's not working or or you're not sure, talk to any of the teachers you know in your interview. Talk about it. Or if you want to wait to take it and you want to talk to one of your teachers about it, talk about it. That's fine. We offer it in the spirit of supporting your retreat, supporting the simplicity, supporting non-clinging, supporting your practice. If eight precepts is getting in the way of that, forget about it. Whatever's going to help you really be here in practice. Do you have any questions just about that or before we take the Yeah, Don? Yeah, here we go in this. <laughs> I say that because, like, when I was in Thailand, different monasteries had different requirements. And then in Burma, again, there's different requirements. So the most stringent ones I know are in Burma, where nothing solid, no milk. Um, fruit juice could be okay. Stuff with honey in it could be okay. And... The miso, I think, is on the edge and the vegetable broth, but I think for here that's okay. No big pieces of food. Food, take it out. And no tea with milk in it, but honey is okay, sugar's okay. Little hard candies, right? Little hard candies are okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's the main thing. Um, Soda's okay, but of course you won't get any. (laughs) 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 But there's lots of herbal tea. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Is it possible in the time of the Buddha that beds here are high and luxurious? Yes, that's very possible. It is very possible. And, I mean, it's like a perception, personal choice. If you really feel like you're luxuriating, you can sleep on the floor. I'm, I mean, I'm not really kidding. You can. Um, I know for a lot of people, the beds here are actually tough, you know. Um, and for all of this, you need to abide by the, what's written out, but also look at the intention in your heart. Look how you're approaching it, you know. So... If, for example, there's a really tough, like, self-punishing kind of renunciation, that's not the point either. Or if it's just really easy for you, that's okay. You know, if you really feel like you're, you're, you're wallowing in bed late in the morning because it's so comfortable, honestly, if you feel that, you might try giving it up and sleeping in a more, in a more harder way. I mean, in Thailand, you know, it's the floor with a little straw mat. The beds here would definitely be luxurious. Um, so... But also we, we use it within, we're not being too hard line. Yeah, Brian? Yeah, 
From wrong times. Well, not in the afternoon is definitely not the precise translation. And, but I'm not a poly scholar, so I, I don't know where it says wrong times. It's sort of like, you know, right view and wrong view. And that if we put a, like a judgment on it, I think that's our extra perception, you know. It doesn't mean it's wrong for the rest of us, that it's a bad time, but it means within the context of that precept, once I've taken the eight precepts, Eating in the rest of the day is the wrong time for me. It doesn't mean it's the wrong time for anybody else or it's a bad time. It's just in the context of that. And I think it's easier to say that because I know in the Buddhist time they didn't have to worry about changing time zones and daylight savings time and stuff like that. It actually gets complex, this time thing. So for here, we just say after the, after the lunchtime meal, after that is going to be when you don't eat for this retreat. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think technically, and again, I'm not a poly scholar, but I think technically adornment is meant for beautification, but that really any kind of necklace or something we wear, it would be as good to put it aside. It's not even saying attachment here. There is attachment. It's saying anything that is for beautification, for adorning our body, it's extra. That's all. It's extra. So I would say if you could put it aside, that would be really following the precept for this time. It's not saying it's bad or anything, you know, and, but it's just to say, can I just simplify a little bit more? That's all. It's not a value judgment on the thing itself or on the necklace. Okay, last question. I mean, this it gets too nitpicky, yeah. Yeah. Could you hear her? In past years, it's been a weekly taking of the precepts. One, we haven't figured it out yet. We'd like it to happen, and we haven't sorted it out. And two, it's both. It's both the review of the precepts, because in fact, in, in many places, and we would like to do it ourselves, you take them every day. And, it, and it's, it's, a, it's a really nice way to take the refuges and precepts is a really nice way to start the day. Um, so it's both that for everyone, but it would also be an opportunity for someone to take eight precepts who hasn't or to stop eight precepts and go back to five precepts, either one of those. And we do want to try and have it on a weekly basis. And as I say, we'll let you know when we figure that out. But you're always also free to do it on your own, you know. 
Okay. So don't make a big deal of this in your mind. Just do what you Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.